This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute professional medical advice. The information presented on this podcast are my own personal views, opinions, and summaries of research. Always consult your physician regarding any medical concerns, conditions, or treatments. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 13 of It's Not You, It's Me of PMDD podcast. I am so happy it's finally fall. Fall and winter are my favorite times of the year. It's, you know, the time of comfy sweaters, boots, beanies, hot chocolate, the beautiful fall colors, and Halloween, which is probably my favorite holiday. Um, I made my cubicle at work look like Halloween threw up on it. It's great. I've got my decorations. Um, And, excuse me. A couple weeks ago, I was putting things again out on social media describing my feelings during a PMDD week. And part of the reason I had started sharing those and like hashtagging live tweet your live tweet your PMDD um, was to show, for lack of a better word, the ridiculous emotions and thoughts that PMDD leads me to. Things I wouldn't normally think or feel. Um, like that one month I wanted to fall in the car. Because I watched a young man run toward the bus and miss it because he had a wait to cross the street. He caught a light, was waiting at the corner, bus took off, and like I could see the body language that he was bummed he missed it. And I wanted to cry my eyes out. It was weird. Um, and then the multiple times I opened up a new email at work with no recollection of who I was supposed to email, what it was supposed to be about. And the time also that I wanted to violently throw a box of donuts to the floor because they were all plain glazed. Not one maple, which are my favorite, but, you know, I didn't need that donut. I, sh- you know, shouldn't really, wouldn't normally have had that feeling of wanting to throw it on the ground, but it was a PMDD week and that's what I felt. Um, one thing I didn't share, though, was the night I randomly felt like apologetically crying to my fiance saying how I wish I could be a better partner and apologizing that I'm not and that I'm going to try harder and I want to be you know a better soon to be wife better fiance and I didn't do it but even though I really wanted to I knew that it was the PMDD trying to speak through me so I kind of had a moment of pause and despite even though like my eyes were kind of starting to well up with tears. Like I took a moment to just stop and be like, you know what? This is the PMDD. It's not me. I'm fine. I'm enough. I'm doing my best to be best kind of person, best kind of partner. And I'm not going to acknowledge what PMDD is trying to make me feel. And it continued to be a, you know, a normal night. It was fine. I didn't break down. I didn't, didn't let my PMDD win. But I also share those things because I want to make it feel okay to share them and to talk about. One thing I have kind of noticed with my symptoms, though, is that it seems like when I don't really have the rage or irritability going on, I seem to have more of the brain fog. And when the rage and irritability are dominant, I experience less brain fog. So it's a weird kind of scale happening where I have one group of symptoms more so than the other, and then maybe a couple cycles later, the next cycle, like it tips back and I have more of the other symptoms and less of the other kind. Not quite sure what that's about, but I thought it was a kind of interesting observation and something to probably note. Um, so there's that. 
Today I wanted to talk about this article I found recently that caught my attention. It's titled, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction as a Promising Intervention for Amelioration of Premenstrual Dysphoric Disorder Symptoms. <sighs> and it was published in 2015 and comes out of North Carolina. If you've heard some of my other episodes, you know I'm not really one for taking medications for anything, like even a headache, and that's just my personal preference for different reasons. You know, there's nothing wrong with it, nothing wrong with people that do take medications. It's just my thing that I try not to. Um, so when I saw this article, I was interested because it's a non-medical approach, and I have been kind of kind of wanting to know more about mindfulness. Like, I feel like... I know it, but I don't really know it, so let's talk about it. Mindfulness is a practice of Buddhism that has been adapted for mental health purposes, and the basic essence of it is focusing on one thing in the moment. So to kind of help give me a better idea of like what it exactly is and you know to have a better understanding, I found this Psychology Today article uh, that had a quote that I think explained it really nicely and in a way that made it a little easier for me to understand. And it was actually a quote from a Holocaust survivor that said, between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space lies our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. And I thought it was a really powerful statement. And it really drove home the concept of mindfulness for me because what we decide to do, how do how we decide to react in that space can affect so much. You know, like I think of the butterfly effect. You react one way, that's going to ripple out into your life, into others' lives, in who knows what way. So, and in, it's, it's in that moment of choice uh, that I think so many of us that are just are caught up in this habitual reaction to things that I think that we just jump right over that space and go into a response which may not always be positive. So it really brought home the idea of what mindfulness is, the concept of it, and like where it is, I guess, like acknowledging that space. And mindfulness also came up in my other searches among journals and when I researched MBSR separately, which is a acronym for Mindful Based Stress Reduction. Uh, I found it in other studies relating to cancer patients, inmates, tennis, ath tennis athletes, uh, dementia patients, so it didn't really seem like there's any limit to its application. But before we jump into this study, it's probably best to get a little background on MBSR. It's an eight-week program with one day-long session that was started in 1979 by John Kabat-Zinn. And I like to know people's backgrounds, so I also researched him. And he's an American professor emeritus of medicine and the creator of the Stress Reduction Clinic and the founding executive director of the Center for Mindfulness in Medicine, Healthcare, and Society at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. So, you know, nothing fancy. I'm sure he's got a lot of free time. <laughs> Um, and I also found his Twitter account, which you can follow if you want to learn more about mindfulness and its teachings. It's at John Cabot Zinn. So it's J-O-N-K-A-B-A-T-Z-I-N-N. -N. And he also has a website where he offers this eight-week program for free. Yes, for free. 
He has a breakdown of the weeks and practices and printables available where you can either print by class or just one huge ass download where you can download everything all at one time. And it's nice that he even offers recommendations of how to organize everything, like purchasing a three ring binder and getting dividers and what to write on those dividers. And being a super organized person that I am, I appreciate that kind of guidance because I'm just a nerd that way. Um, I was thinking I might actually download and try it because even if I'm if I don't have the self-discipline to put it into practice or anything, at least I'll know more about it. Um, so you can find all that at PalouseMindfulness.com. That's P-A-L-O-U-S-E Mindfulness.com. And while you can download the resources online, he does write that doing an in-person course is better because you're more likely to stick with it and finish the course. But I'm guessing uh, live courses probably cost a lot of money. So personally, I'd opt for the free thing, probably better than nothing. Um, but, you know, options are out there. Since mindfulness has been shown in other studies to be effective in improving things like irritability, anger, conflict, and rapid mood swings, which are all core symptoms of PMDD, they hypothesize that mindfulness could also offer relief from those suffering from PMDD symptoms. And I had shared this quote from the article on my Instagram, which you can find at PMDD Podcast, also on Twitter by the same name. But I wanted to reshare it here again. Um, and it was drawn from other previous studies, so, you know, like data within data. And it said that PMDD is characterized by the cyclic recurrence of affective and somatic symptoms in the luteal phase of the menstrual cycle, resulting in luteal phase impairment equivalent to that of major depression, panic disorder, and post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. And I think that really helps paint a picture for people that don't know what it's like to have PMDD. Like most everyone, most adults seem to have heard of PTSD or have an idea of what clinical depression is. Um, but yet PMDD is still not well as well known as PTSD, even though the impairment causes, um, you know, the conditions are almost the same in that respect. You know, the impairment, the effect in daily life that it has. And sometimes when I tell people, like, you know, the symptoms are said to be equivalent to of that of a major depressive order, that's when they're kind of like, oh, whoa, you know, like, that, that really sucks. Like, yeah, no shit. In the introduction of the study, they talked about selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or SSRIs, which are usually the first line of treatment in symptoms for PMDD, but... They said that despite how well they work, nearly half of all women with a menstrually related mood disorder don't take them or stop taking them within six months. So with that in mind, um, please remember that this data or all this information is from an article of two, uh, from 2015 and it was pulling from studies prior to then. So for all we know, the numbers are different, but I mean, I think at that time that's pretty monumental. And why there weren't many, the few studies that have been done about behavioral or cognitive therapy for PMDD symptoms seem to support their efficacy. And I think that's what drew these researchers to wanting to find out more and do another study, especially since mindfulness has the ability to modulate stress and emotion regulation, 
which are two things strongly associated with PMDD. So it all kind of ties together. Plus, mindfulness has also been studied for its effect on decreasing blood pressure and treating pain syndromes. So I've joked before about how medicine seems to be crazy full of acronyms. And before we move on, here's another one to keep in mind when you hear me mention it again later, and that's MRMD, which stands for Menstrually Related Mood Disorder. And I just wanted to get that out there before we move on. Uh, So the way they found participants for the study was through newspaper ads and posted flyers up in the community, and they contacted women who were also also originally enrolled in a previous MRMD study. And the researchers don't just take their word, you know, for participants that signed up, like, yes, I have this uh, PMDD, PMS, whatever. They do screen and make sure. And one of the items that they used was the Daily Record of Severity of Problems, or DRSP, which is the same one I had tried out a few months ago and had shared um, copies on my social media. I don't know if you've seen it's that little chart that I color-coded, and you rate various symptoms on a scale of 1 to 6, 6 being uh, the worst kind of feeling or the, like the most intense. And of the women that enrolled and began the study... 21 actually completed the mindfulness training, and they were taught by two trainers who went through the teachings at the Center of Mindfulness at University of Massachusetts Medical Center. And it was interesting to read the preparations for the study. Aside from the screenings, uh, like the symptoms, they also took blood pressure and heart rates, as well as recovery and pre-stress baseline numbers, um, and did a stress test, other stress tests as well. And all the participants were given two pain tests when the, in, with a five-minute break between the two. And the first one was a cold presser, a hand cold presser, in which they filled this container of water and ice and had participants submerge their hand up to their wrist and asked that they keep their hands still. And there was some sort of circulator in there to make sure that the water stayed cold around their hand and didn't begin to warm. And the water was kept at 39 degrees Fahrenheit or 4 degrees Celsius, which I'm kind of curious and want to try to see how cold that was. Um, And they were asked to indicate when the sensation started to become painful and when they couldn't keep their hand in any longer. They then rated the pain intensity on a scale of uh, 0 to 100. And they weren't told, but the researchers had set a max time limit of 5 minutes. So had someone somehow made it you know, could have lasted more than five minutes, they would have ended it there. They would not have let it go on beyond the five minutes. For the second pain test, participants were asked to raise an arm for 30 seconds, and then they had a tourniquet cuff, like a blood pressure cuff, placed on the arm, and it and it was inflated. Then their arm was returned to their side. They then did 20 hand grip exercises, and again, verbally indicated when they started to feel pain, and when they were no longer able to withstand it. And like the cold water, the researchers had set a time limit, uh, a max time limit on this test, but didn't share it with participants, and that time limit was 20 minutes. For the social stress test that was given, uh, it sounded like a really kind of strange scenario. They set up like an interview with the participants and researchers and recorded some data from that. And I don't want to get lost in the weeds of what it was like, but I'll share the link on my Twitter to this study. So that way, 
if you're curious, you can download it, read about it. Um, but the purpose was to establish heart rate and blood pressure numbers, um, as well as I'm sure like a level of stress. But before we move on to talking about mindfulness-based stress reduction, let's take a quick break. So the MBSR intervention or training that was given to the participants included two-hour sessions over a period of eight consecutive weeks, so eight classes, and a four-hour Saturday retreat. And they gave a breakdown of what was involved in each of the classes. Class one included an introduction to body scanning and an eating meditation. Class two was an intro to sitting meditation with awareness on breathing. Three involved an introduction to gentle yoga movements. Class four was an introduction on walking meditation. Five was an expanded session on sitting meditation and a discussion on the role of mindfulness and stress in everyday life. Uh, class six involved working with strong emotions and inner resources for emotional resilience. Class 7 introduced participants to choiceless awareness, which is a practice where one is fully aware of the moment, but not focused on any physical, mental image, or object. That's something I definitely want to look more into. <laughs> uh, class 8 was a review of the intervention and discussions about continuing the practice of what was learned outside of the course. And in the shortened Saturday retreat that they did, Participants were introduced to functional silence and participated in various meditations and discussions and reflections. Um, and that Saturday retreat, I think, was originally supposed to be like an eight hour, but was shortened to four hours. And after the course, the same pain tests were given again as before the course and questionnaires about reflection and mindfulness. They were also given a self-compassion scale to complete. And I really, really wanted to share the definition they offered for self-compassion because I felt it was so great and so full of goodness. Like for some reason, like it, it just gave me warm, fuzzy feelings. Um, but they defined it as holding one's feelings of suffering with a sense of warmth, connection, and concern. And that just seemed like so self-loving to me. I just thought it was great. Sorry. <laughs> So using questionnaires and inventory ratings, they did uh, post-intervention evaluations with the participants, and they had also required that participants use an MBSR diary to record how many minutes they spent using different practices each day at home, and the diaries were turned in weekly to the study coordinator at each class. In the end, all the participants engaged in some sort of mindfulness practice at home 80% of the days over the course. And when they compared their uh, tracking ratings from the DRSP from the pre and post ratings, they found a decrease in the premenstrual ratings of depression, hopelessness, anxiety, mood swings, sensitivity, irritability, and conflict with others. They also administered the two uh, pain tests again, but found an increase in pain tolerance to the cold presser, but no difference in the tourniquet cuff test, which... I think it's a little weird, but who knows why they, that was the outcome. And it sounded like most of the participants had a positive experience with the class. One called it eye-opening, and another said it gave her the tools to help her manage her emotions and stress when she felt out of control, that it felt it gave her control. And just about all, were, all the participants were applying what they had learned in the class to other areas of stress in their, in their life, not just solely related to premenstrual um, stress that 
was happening. The good thing is that the researchers felt that they had gained enough data from the study to feel like it was enough to show that MBSR would be efficacious for symptoms related to MRMD. I always have to slow myself down with those acronyms, otherwise like I feel I get tongue-tied. Um, but they did feel that the small sample size might have contributed to an absence of the effect of feelings of worthlessness, which I think is a little unfortunate. It didn't help with that, but I kind of agree. Like, yeah, a sample of 21, well, you know, can give an idea. It's probably better to do a study with more. Maybe it would have had a different outcome. Who knows? And the study had its other limitations as well, aside from, aside from the small sample group, but MBSR could actually provide an alter alternative behavioral intervention for MRMDs. And just like about every other paper that I read, at, you know, toward the end of it, they say the subject warrants further studies. That, again, just totally seems to be a common theme with things like once they do the test, they do the study, gather out the data, look at the results. All, I'd say like 95% of the studies I've read all say this needs further investigation. Further studies needed on this. Pretty much the same. So going back to that quote from the beginning about the space between stimulus and response, I feel like that's what's the key. Whether it's feelings or thoughts brought on by PMDD or something else, if we can slow down to acknowledge that space and take the time to think about a more positive reaction, things would be so much better. I mean, it wouldn't, I doubt we can achieve world peace with that, but if we can have better lives, better relationships, because we're taking the time to think about it and not just habitually react, I think things would be a lot better. And before I started working on my notes for this episode, I put it out on social media asking if any of you had had experience with mindfulness for your PMDD symptoms. And I wanted to share some of those responses because some of you did have uh, something to say, which I love and I'm so thankful for. So Imperfectly Peaceful said, yes, meditation, both through apps and short ones I create myself to make sure I'm feeding my brain positive messages when it wants to sink to the darkest depths. Rebecca Five Joy said, yes, that and yoga have helped me a lot. Bread and Rick said, it's not an easy feat during a PMDD bout, but it's obtainable. Kitty's IDC said, that's what I was looking for when I looked into self-awareness to help me with my PMDD. I do it every week of every month now for the past year and a bit. It helps me bunches. Nicola Lucy said, Tracking my symptoms became part of bringing more attention and awareness to what the hell was happening to me and then helped me manage my symptoms naturally. The more I engaged with my body through mindful listening, the more I took back control of my cycle, gradually healing myself from PMDD. This process was the, was the basis of my work, shadow walking. And Candy Klein said, I use the Calm and Headspace app for meditation twice a day and it has helped me incredibly uh, to pull myself out of my head. So thank you all for sharing your feedback and your experiences. Um, I mean, by sharing these, it's not only great for discussion, but good to know about these apps like Headspace, Calm. Um, I have Calm on my phone, but because I'm not 
regularly practicing it. Sometimes I forget I have it, but I'm gonna, going to try to be better. But to sum up my thoughts on this, I really don't see anything bad with learning mindfulness. Yeah, it might not help with absolutely everything or every feeling, but it won't make things worse either. It seems like it can only help things. And what's great is that there are many places and ways to learn, like that website where you can download the info for free for that course. There's apps to download and live lessons. And I didn't check, but I'm willing to bet that there are instructional YouTube videos as well. And like I previously mentioned, I'll share the link to this article on my Twitter feed. Um, I'll get it out on Instagram as well. And even if you don't have a Twitter account, you can still find uh, my account through a website, through just, you know, opening up Chrome page or something. Just go twitter.com forward slash PMDD podcast. And I hope that from sharing this information that you're able to take away a new idea about how to manage your PMDD symptoms or just your general stress in life or that you were inspired to maybe look into mindfulness or some other cognitive approach to stress and symptoms. And I hope that we all find some sort of relief in this. But I want to thank you for stopping in again for a listen. And I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day and we'll talk again later. Bye.